0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Holidays at Roselands by Martha Finley Chapter Six, Part One The storm of grief bears hard upon her youth, and bends her like a dripping flower to earth. Rose fair penitent. "'You're not looking quite well yet, Mr. Dinsmore,' remarked a lady visitor who had called one day to see the family. "'And your little daughter, I think, looks as if she too has been ill. "'She is very thin and seems to have entirely lost her bright color." Elsie had just left the room a moment before the remark was made. Mr. Dinsmore started slightly. "'I believe she is a little pale,' he replied in a tone of annoyance. "'but as she makes no complaint, "'I do not think that there can be anything seriously amiss.' "'Perhaps not,' said the lady indifferently. "'But if she were my child, "'I should be afraid she was going into a decline.' "'Really, Mrs. Gray, "'I don't know what should put such a notion into your head,' "'exclaimed Mrs. Dinsmore. "'For I assure you that Elsie has always been "'a perfectly healthy child since I have known her.' "'Ah, well, it was but the thought of a moment,' replied Mrs. Gray.' rising to take leave, and I am glad to hear there is no ground for fear, for Elsie is certainly a very sweet little girl. Mr. Dinsmore handed Mrs. Gray to her carriage, and re-entering the house went into the little back parlor, where Elsie, the only other occupant of the room, sat reading in a corner of the sofa. He did not speak to her, but began pacing back and forth across the floor. Mrs. Gray's words had alarmed him. He could not forget them, "'and whenever in his walk his face was turned towards his child, "'he bent his eyes upon her with a keen, searching gaze, "'and he was surprised that he had not before noticed "'how thin and pale and careworn that little face had grown. "Elsie," he said suddenly, pausing in his walk. "'The child started and colored "'as she raised her eyes from the book to his face, "'asking in a half-tremulous tone, "'What, Papa?' "'Put down your book and come to me,' "'he replied, seating himself. "'His tone lacked its usual harshness, Yet the little girl came to him trembling so "'that she could scarcely stand. "'It displeased him. "Elsie," he said as he took her hand "'and drew her in between his knees, "'why do you always start and change color "'when I speak to you? "'And why are you trembling now "'as if you were venturing into the lion's jaws? "'Are you afraid of me? Speak!' "'Yes, Papa,' she replied, the tears rolling down her cheeks. "'You always speak so sternly to me now "'that I cannot help feeling frightened. "'Well, I didn't intend to be stern this time,' "'he said more gently than he had spoken to her for a long while. "'But tell me, my daughter, are you quite well? "'You're growing very pale and thin, "'and I want to know if anything ails you.' "'Nothing, Papa, but—' "'The rest of her sentence was lost in a burst of tears.' "'But what?' he asked, almost kindly. "'Oh, Papa, you know. I want your love. How can I live without it?' "'You need not, Elsie,' he answered very gravely. "'You have only to bow that stubborn will of yours, "'to have all the love and all the caresses you can ask for.' Wiping her eyes, she looked up beseechingly into his face, "'asking in pleading tones, "'Dear Papa, won't you give me one kiss?' Just one? Think how long I have been without one. Elsie, say I am sorry, Papa, that I refused to obey you on that Sabbath day. Will you please forgive me? And I will always be obedient in future? That is all I require. Say it and you will be at once entirely restored to favor. I am very sorry, dear Papa, for all the naughty things I have ever done. And I will always try to obey you if you do not bid me break God's commandments, she answered in a low, tremulous voice. That will not do, Elsie. It is not what I bid you say. I will have no if in the matter, nothing but implicit, unconditional obedience, he said in a tone of severity. He paused for reply, but receiving none, continued, I see you are still stubborn, and I shall be compelled to take severe measures to subdue you, I do not yet know what they will be, but one thing is certain. I will not keep a rebellious child in my sight. There are boarding schools where children can be sent who are unworthy to enjoy the privileges and comforts of home. Oh, Papa, dear, dear Papa, don't send me away from you. I should die, she cried in accents of terror and despair, throwing her arms around his neck and clinging to him in a convulsive grasp. Punish me in any other way you choose, but... "'Oh, don't send me where I cannot see you.' He gently disengaged her arms, and without returning her caress, said gravely, and almost sadly, "'Go now to your room. I have not yet decided what course to take, but you have only to submit to escape all punishment.' Elsie retired, weeping bitterly, passing Adelaide as she went out. "'What is the matter now?' asked Adelaide of her brother, who was striding impatiently up and down the room. "'Nothing but the old story,' he replied. "'She is the most stubborn child I ever saw.' "'Strange,' he added musingly. "'I once thought her rather too yielding.' "'Adelaide,' he said, sitting down by his sister "'and leaning his head upon his hand, with a deep-drawn sigh. "'I am terribly perplexed. "'This estrangement is killing us both. "'Have you noticed how thin and pale she is growing?' It distresses me to see it, but what can I do? Give up to her I cannot. It is not once to be thought of. I am sorry I ever began the struggle, but since it is begun, she must and shall submit. And it really becomes a serious question with me whether it would not be the truest kindness just to conquer her thoroughly and at once by an appeal to the rod. Oh, no, Horace, don't. Don't think of such a thing. I beg of you exclaimed adelaide with tears in her eyes such a delicate sensitive little creature as she is i do believe it would quite break her heart to be subjected to so ignominious a punishment surely you could adopt some other measure less revolting to one's feelings and yet perhaps quite as effectual i couldn't bear to have you do it i would try everything else first i assure you adelaide it would be exceedingly painful to my feelings he said and yet so anxious am i to subdue elsie and end this trying state of affairs that were i certain of gaining my point even by great severity i would not hesitate a moment but i am very doubtful whether she could be conquered in that way and i would not like to undertake it unless i could carry it through i hinted at boarding school which seemed to alarm her very much but i shall not try it at least not yet for she is my only child and i still love her too well to give her up to the tender mercies of strangers Ah, you don't know how strongly i was tempted to give her a kiss just now when she begged so hard for it but what shall i do with her adelaide have you no suggestion to make indeed i don't know what to say horace i shouldn't like to give up to her if i were you it does seem as if you ought to conquer her if you don't do it now i don't believe you ever will yes that's just it he said i have sometimes felt sorry for having begun the struggle and yet perhaps it is just as well, since it must have come sooner or later. Ten years hence I shall want to take her occasionally to the theater, or opera, or perhaps now and then to a ball, and unless I can eradicate these ridiculously strict notions she has got into her head, she'll be sure to rebel then, when she'll be rather too old to punish, at least in the same way in which I might punish her now. "'A thought has just struck me, Horace,' said Adelaide suddenly. "'Well, what is it?' he asked. Adelaide hesitated she felt some little sympathy for elsie and did not quite like to propose a measure which she knew would give her great pain but at length she said in a half regretful tone i think horace that aunt chloe upholds elsie in her obstinacy and makes her think herself a martyr to principle for you know how she has the same strange notions which they both learned from the old housekeeper mrs murray who was an old-fashioned presbyterian of the strictest sort and now, as Elsie is still so young, it seems to me it might be possible to change her views, if she were entirely removed from all such influences. But take notice, Horace, I do not advise it, for I know it would well-nigh break both their hearts.' For a moment Mr. Dinsmore seemed lost in thought. Then he spoke. "'That is a wise suggestion, Adelaide. I thank you for it, and shall certainly take it into consideration.' Yet it is a measure which i feel loath to adopt for chloe has been a most faithful creature i feel that i owe her a debt of gratitude for the excellent care she has taken of elsie and of her mother before her and as you say i fear it would well nigh break both their hearts but if less severe measures fail i shall feel compelled to try it for i am more anxious than i can tell you to bring elsie to unconditional obedience here is a letter for you elsie said her grandfather the next morning at the breakfast table "'Here, Pomp,' to the servant, hand this to Miss Elsie.' The child's eyes sparkled with pleasure, and she held out her hand eagerly to take it. But her father interfered. "'No, Pomp,' he said, "'bring it to me, and remember in future that I am to receive all Miss Elsie's letters.' Elsie relinquished it instantly, without a word of remonstrance, but her heart was so full that she could not eat another morsel.' and in spite of all her efforts, the tears would come into her eyes as she saw her father deliberately open and read the letter, and then refold it and put it into his pocket. He looked at her as he did so, and seeing the tears rolling down her cheeks, sternly bade her leave the room. She obeyed, feeling more angry and rebellious towards him than she ever had before. It seemed so cruel and unjust to deprive her of her own letters. one of Miss Rose's? As she knew it must be, for she had no other correspondent, which never contained anything but what was good and kind and comforting. They were always a great treat to the little girl, and she had been longer than usual without one, and had been looking longingly for it every day for several weeks past. For sad and lonely as her days now were, she felt very keenly the need of her friend's sympathy and love, and now to have this letter taken from her just as she had her hand upon it seemed a disappointment almost too great to be endured. She had a hard struggle with herself before she could put away entirely her feelings of anger and impatience. "Oh, this is not honoring papa," she said to herself. "He may have good reasons for what he has done, and, as I belong to him, he certainly has a sort of right to everything that is mine. I will try to be submissive, and wait patiently until he sees fit to give me my letter, as perhaps he will sometime. All the morning the thought of her letter was scarcely out of her mind and as soon as she was released from school duties and dressed for dinner she went down to the drawing-room hoping that her father might be there and that he would give it to her but he was not in and when he came brought a number of strangers with him who remained until after tea so that all the afternoon passed away without affording her an opportunity to speak to him but to her great joy the visitors all left early in the evening excepting a very mild pleasant-looking elderly gentleman had settled himself in the portico with enna on his knees elsie was watching her father's movements and was not sorry to see him after the departure of his guests return to the drawing-room and take up the evening paper no one else was at that end of the room so now at last she might speak to him without fear of being overheard she was glad too that his back was towards her for she had grown very timid about approaching him of late she stole softly up to the back of his chair stood there some moments without speaking her heart beat so fast with mingled hope and fear that it seemed impossible to command her voice. But at last, coming to his side, she said in a tone so low and tremulous as to be almost inaudible, Papa. Well, Elsie, what do you want? He asked with his eyes still on the paper. Dear Papa, I do so want to see Miss Rose's letter. Won't you please give it to me? She waited a moment for a reply then asked again, "'May I not have it, Papa?' "'Yes, Elsie, you may have that and everything else you want. "'Just as soon you show yourself a submissive, obedient child.' "'Tears gathered in Elsie's eyes, "'but she resolutely forced them back and made one more appeal. "'Dear Papa,' she said in pleading, tearful tones, "'you don't know how I have looked and longed for that letter, "'and I do want it so very much.' "'Won't you let me see it for just a few moments?' "'You have your answer, Elsie,' he said coldly, "'and it is the only one I have to give you.' "'Elsie turned and walked away, silently crying as she went. "'But ere she had reached the door, "'he called her back and looking sternly at her, "'as she again stood trembling and weeping at his side, "'Remember,' he said, that from this time forth I forbid you to write or receive any letters which do not pass through my hands, and I shall not allow you to correspond with Miss Allison, or any one else, indeed, until you become a more dutiful child. "'Oh, Papa, what will Miss Allison think if I don't answer her letter?' exclaimed Elsie, weeping bitterly. "'I shall wait a few weeks,' he said, to see if you are going to be a better girl.' and then if you remain stubborn i shall write to her myself and tell her that i have stopped the correspondence and my reasons for doing so oh papa dear papa please don't do that cried the little girl in great distress i am afraid if you do she will never love me any more for she will think me such a very bad child if she does she will have only a just opinion of you replied your father coldly and all your friends will soon cease to love you "'if you continue to show such a willful temper. "'My patience is almost worn out, Elsie, "'and I shall try some very severe measures before long, "'lest you see proper to submit. "'Go now to your own room. "'I do not wish to see you again tonight.' "'Good-night, Papa,' sobbed the little girl, "'as she turned to obey him. "Elsie, my daughter,' he said, "'suddenly seizing her hand and drawing her to his side, "'why will you not give up this strange wilfulness "'and let your Papa have his own darling again?' "'I love you dearly, my child, and it pains me more than I can express to see you so unhappy,' he added, gently pushing back the curls from the tear-stained face upturned to his. His tone had all the old fondness, and Elsie's heart thrilled at the very sound. His look, too, was tender and affectionate, and throwing down his paper he lifted her to his knee and passed his arm round her waist. Elsie laid her head against his breast as was her wont before their unhappy estrangement, while he passed his hand caressingly over her curls. Speak, my daughter, he said in a low tone, full of tenderness. Speak, and tell papa that he has his own dutiful little daughter again. His heart aches to receive her. Must he do without her still? The temptation to yield was very strong. She loved him, oh, how dearly! Could she bear to go on making him unhappy? And it was such rest such joy, thus once more to feel herself folded to his heart and hear his dear voice speaking to her in loving, tender tones. Can it be wondered at that for a moment Elsie wavered? On the one hand, she saw her father's fond affection, indulgent kindness, and loving caresses. On the other, banishment from his love, perhaps from home, cold, stern, harsh words and looks. what more might be meant by the very severe measures he threatened she trembled to think for a moment she was silent for a mighty struggle was going on in her heart it was hard very hard to give up her father's love but the love of jesus ah that was more precious still the struggle was past. papa she said raising an earnest tearful little face to his speaking in tones tremulous with emotion. Dear, dear Papa, I do love you so very, very much, and I do want to be to you a good, obedient child. But, Papa, Jesus says, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And I must love Jesus best and keep his commandments always. But you bid me say that I am sorry I refuse to break them, and that I will yield implicit obedience to you, even though you should command me to disobey him. Oh, Papa, I cannot do that, even though you should never love me again, even though you should put me to death. The cold, stern expression had returned to his face before she had half finished, and putting her off his knee, he said in his severest tone, Go, disobedient, rebellious child. How often have I told you that you are too young to judge of such matters, and must leave all that to me, your father and natural guardian, whom the Bible itself commands you to obey? and will find means to conquer you yet, Elsie. If affection and mild measures will not do it, severity shall. He rose and walked hastily up and down the floor, excited and angry, while poor Elsie went weeping from the room. "'Is that one of your sisters, my dear?' asked the old gentleman of Enna, as he saw the sobbing Elsie pass through the hall on her way upstairs. "'No, that is Brother Horace's daughter,' replied Enna scornfully." She is a real naughty girl, and won't mind her papa at all. Ah, said the old gentleman gravely, I am sorry to hear it, but I hope you will always obey your papa. Indeed, my papa lets me do as I please, said Enna with a little toss of her head. I don't have to mind anybody. Ah, then I consider you a very unfortunate child, remarked the old gentleman, still more gravely, for it is by no means good for a little one like you to have too much her own way. Mr grier for that was the old gentleman's name had been very much interested in little elsie's appearance he had noticed the look of sadness on her fair young face and conjectured from something in the manner of the rest of the family towards her that she was in disgrace yet he was sure there was no stubbornness or self-will in the expression of that meek and gentle countenance he began to suspect that some injustice had been done to the little girl and determined to watch and see if she were indeed the naughty child she was represented to be And if he found her to be as good as he was inclined to believe, to try to gain her confidence, and see if he could help her out of her troubles. End of chapter six, part one.